Hi, my name is Eric Zonscherb. I'm the chairman of the board of Critical Elements Lithium. Critical Elements is advancing the Rose Lithium Tantalum project in Iuischi, James Bay region of Quebec. And we are very much looking forward to getting this into production now that we have our full permitting in place. Eric, thank you very much for the introduction. What a pleasure to meet you. Uh, I've very much enjoyed researching Critical Elements uh, uh, Lithium for this interview. Uh, it's the first time we've spoken um, and we both share a background in um, mineral research. We've both been equities analysts. Exactly right. Um, one of the reasons why I'm enjoying this uh, research in critical elements is because it's been a pretty uh, tough and dire year for almost every natural resources company um, out there. But the, the lithium space has been uh, much more buoyant uh, than anything else. And before we look back at what you've done over the the, the year, do you want to just, let's, let's start by, uh, could you give me a quick um, view of how you see the lithium market at the moment, both uh, what's happened in recent months and what it bodes for 2023? Well, I, I think we need to look at the various experts that are out there that have commented upon the, the lithium space. Uh, it's quite clear that demand from from electric vehicles is is extremely strong continues to grow and if you look at the investments that are being made by the OEMs by the original equipment manufacturers into uh, manufacture of vehicles and the investment that's going into battery materials and battery manufacture it, it's enormous and what hasn't kept pace is investment into uh, raw materials going into batteries, and that includes lithium. And, it's, and there, are, there are a number of estimates out there into how many billions of dollars that needs to be invested into raw materials in order to keep up with that that stellar demand. So the, the ones that I respect out there that follow the industry, uh, they are calling for a significant supply deficit that continues to grow. And a big chunk of that is the fact that the mining industry has a history of underperforming in terms of delivering their projects on time and at performance levels that are claimed. So those people that claim that there's going to be a supply, oversupply going forward are probably listening to the mining companies as to what they think they're going to produce and when, and that just never happens. And, and, and as you alluded to at Merlin, We've both covered the mining industry for a long time and recognize that that inability to produce on time in the industry. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crystal clear. There's always this kind of shortfall on projected um, production, uh, except perhaps sometimes very late stage in a cycle, you know, when something's been going on for 10 or 15 years. And then suddenly, just when nobody wants the the extra <laughs> material, you suddenly get, you wanted copper? We'll, we'll give you copper. Here, you yeah. Know? Exactly. The, the, that demand profile that you're talking about, though, I mean, I, I, I hear it. Uh, I've seen it so many times in presentations. Is it, you know, what's it manifesting like in the market? You know, what's actually happening at the kind of at the at, the, at a granular level in the market? I, I think I'd, at this point, I would bring up the fact that we are in advanced discussions with multiple parties for offtake. It has been our philosophy not to sign memoranda of understanding concerning offtake. We don't believe that those have a great deal of value. What matters to us is investment. And so that's what we're looking for from offtake partners. But the point I'm getting at is that we have a lot of parties interested in, in the ROSE project. 
that we are in discussions with. And if anything, that is the greatest indicator of demand on a granular basis. We are seeing an enormous amount of interest in gain at getting the offtake from the Rose Project. No, no, I, I, let's get into the Rose, Rose Project. But, um, um, but before we do that, uh, I do come across quite a lot of companies who are saying, we've got a lithium um, project. We're going to be trucking it down the road. We're going to be making millions uh, next month. Is it as simple as that? Is it just a case of uh, just bagging some, uh, digging some rock up, bagging it up and putting it on a truck? Absolutely not. The Rose Project was discovered around 2009. Uh, we received our federal permit in, in August of 21, and we received our certificate of authorization in Quebec in November of 22. That's almost a five-year permitting process. Mm. So depending on the jurisdiction, it can take a lot longer than people think. Secondly, engineering these things is extremely important. And it's not rocket science, but at the same time, it's not a gimme that, that these projects will, um, will be amenable to the processes that are, that are being applied to them. And then finally, I think one also needs to take into consideration the, the, the indigenous people, the First Nations in Canada. In, in Canada, the First Nations virtually have a veto on a project. One has to be close to the First Nations. One has to work cooperatively and respectfully with the First Nations in order to get uh, an impact and benefits agreement with them. The Picatau Agreement was signed, that is our impact and benefits agreement with the Cree Nations, uh, was signed uh, back several years ago in, in 2019. And so anyone who thinks that they can come into Quebec, for example, and get into production in the next year or two without having everything in place is absolutely incorrect. Crystal clear. So that certificate of authorization, which you received on the 2nd of November um, this year, does that mean you're now fully permitted to, or have you got more hurdles to get through? Those are the two main permits that are required. There, there are lots of, not lots, there are several smaller permits that are sort of on the municipal and provincial level. But really the process, the the extensive due diligence done in, in the case of Quebec by, by the committee called COMEX, that was a five-year, just under a five-year process and involved several rounds of questions and answers. That is now complete and with a positive recommendation that the government, uh, the provincial government uh, agreed with. That's the main, those those two, the federal and the, the provincial permits are the key permits, minor permits to come. And um, what's the timeline on the on the remaining? Uh, well, we, we would like to turn sod, if you will, and, and start deforestation um, in the spring of this year. So we wouldn't be able to do that if we didn't think we could uh, we could get everything complete in that time. Okay. So kind of um, um, clearance for the footprint of the operation. Indeed. Can we just at this point jump back and can you just kind of um, remind us what you've gone through in 2022? Because the last Crux interview you did, I think, was early in the, very early in the year, Q1. Um, and th there's been a huge amount of change. We've touched on permits, but um, market, uh, project and exploration. And, and you start, said at the beginning of the year you're going to be drilling 25,000 metres. So um, perhaps yeah. an update uh, would be really uh, useful. Sure. Well, you mentioned that the drilling last. Let's, let's start with that. We talked about in the summer the commencement of a program that over the next year we would be doing something on the order of 25,000 meters of drilling. Uh, 
uh, we did provide an update a couple of months ago about that. And um, there, there are three legs to that exploration program. One is to expand the footprint of the rose deposit itself uh, to the north, uh, north and northeast, but also the um, the satellite deposits that are found within 10 kilometers of rose. So we're quite confident that we should be able to add to the mine life between the rose extension and the satellites in the immediate area. The second leg. So before, just, just on that first leg, but the the, the resource, um, the the resource and reserves you've got at Rhodes is around sixty million tons, isn't it? On the resource side, the reserve is twenty six point three million tons, if I remember correctly. Yeah, nine percent yeah. Li two O. Is that a key strategic objective to 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 grow that resource base? Does it change the picture much? Because surely you're just adding, you know, years at the end of your of your DCF. You know, precisely. Is is, is, is that a strategic? Um, uh, game changer. Well, it was it was interesting. If you, I, I joined the company in 2020 on the board, and prior to that, the drilling that had been going on stopped at around 17 year mine life in order to focus on delivering a feasibility study. That was yeah. relatively arbitrary. It wasn't like the end of the deposit had been found. It was a matter of of a strategic choice to deliver a feasibility study that would demonstrate the economics. Yeah. And so now that that's all been demonstrated and it's an extremely robust project, people are going, oh, 17 year life, I don't know. And so, okay, step one is to demonstrate that there is, of course, much more life beyond that. As a kind of from a strategic perspective, from the industry perspective, from the outsiders looking in, other corporations, uh, they uh, the bigger companies all want to have the bigger resource. They want to have the tier one assets, multi-generation assets. Sure. The major companies, whether we're talking OEMs or, or mining companies or smaller companies, they all recognize the geological potential. They've done their due diligence. They've been to site and they recognize the geological potential there. And they, they actually don't consider that to be a key fact. It's more of a, a market recognition that okay. the, the that the investor needs to see the additional life. Okay, so once you get on the ground and you can eyeball it, the, the, the resource potential is not a constraining factor. Correct, correct. Now, okay. the second leg on the exploration side is the fact that we have the Lamar deposit. Uh, Lamar is is in the lower belt, the Wabushi belt, where Namaska has their um, potential operation moving forward. The Lamar, we hope, to drill this winter and come up with an initial resource for that deposit. Uh, it has already had a number of drill holes into it, which are demonstrating grades similar to Wabushi. And uh, so we are confident that we'll be able to put together an interesting deposit there. And then the third leg is that we had artificial intelligence or machine learning applied to the 700 square kilometers of, of property that, that Critical Elements owns fully. And the, um, that process took all of the data into consideration from the past and came up with what are called smart targets. So we know already from, from sampling, and this was put out in a release a few weeks ago, that we have extensions to what may be the Wabushi deposit itself to the southeast. And we have multiple smart targets that represent pegmatites that are bearing spodumene on the surface. And so the third leg for that exploration uh, will be to test these targets. 
potentially, we'll see, we can announce a discovery here, discovery there, discovery there. And so an investor looking for some of that exploration upside beyond rows, we're not talking about adding life to rows, we're now talking about second and yeah. potentially more roses to fill up a bouquet, if you will, then that is something that may be of, of interest to an investor. And um, you've mentioned that you've got some spodumene um, grade, sample grades, rock chip grades. Um, presumably, this the, the smart targets will warrant a second round of ground truthing to go back and to remap, to do some more trenching before you, you know, to really understand the outcrop and to see if you can root it around under the turf and the till um, and find... Uh, justification to advancing said smart target up the kind of the that 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 um, the ranking table of drill targets to be tackled next. Correct. I mean, we have um, at the end of the fiscal year, at the end of August, we had just under thirty million in cash. Uh, so we do not need to do any issues at this point in time. We're fully capable of following up this drill program that is is ongoing. Of course, in Quebec, in this territory, it's very beneficial to wait for winter, wait for ground freeze up and do your drilling on ice or on frozen tundra versus uh, two times the cost and half the productivity in in the summer when it's not frozen. So yeah, uh, and we've had a slow start this year because of the ground, but once once it's freezing and we'll be able to to really accelerate that drill program. And I think it's important from an investment perspective to look at the exploration side. I mean, I know we're all familiar with the Lassonde curve and how the exploration, you know, as as one here, I'll try and draw it from your perspective, as exploration discoveries are made, that that's an excellent entry point as a stock response to exploration. And we can see that in a lot of the juniors that have got spectacular uh, and market capitalizations for wonderful intercepts that won't be in production for 10 years, but it's got the excitement of the market. Well, we're in a different part of the Lassonde curve. We've put out our feasibility studies, um, the original and the updated, and demonstrated how robust these projects are. We're now at this point where we're going to finance, but we also want to demonstrate that there's some tremendous exploration potential on the ground that we control. And so it's it adds another complexion to the to the story. I I, I get it. Yeah, nice. Um, when when are those drill results going to be coming through? We, is it likely to be kind of end of Q one, beginning of Q two, or throughout throughout Q two that we're going to see most of those exploration results come through? Yeah, I mean between now and uh, and uh, breakup, uh, which would be in March April, depending on the year, and there will be a lot of news flow coming from. Yeah. potential resource at uh, at Lamar and potential discoveries on those smart targets as well as extension of, of the life of Rose. Good. Well, let, let's move now to, to Rose. Um, as you said, you published the updated feasibility study. Some pretty spectacular numbers uh, came out uh, in the middle of the year. And I, I noticed that one of your news releases in the early year, uh, earlier in the beginning, at the beginning of the year, talked about frontier, front end engineering design and is that detailed engineering incorporated into the feasibility study or was that a study that was going on in parallel that's a separate issue i mean the, the feasibility study was an update of the previous feasibility study uh bringing updates to capex operating costs but of course pricing as well and that had a dramatic yeah. impact on irr and npv uh, the front-end engineering design feed study that should be completed near term 
Um, and then the detailed engineering is a process that overlaps with the start of construction. So people yeah. were assuming, oh, well, detailed engineering, that's going to take until, you know, towards the end of 23. And oh, does that mean you don't start until the end? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that some of these things can go on concurrently. And so, like like I said, assuming project financing is all arranged, and that's another discussion, um, then we should be able to commence construction uh, much, much earlier i.e. this spring. The feasibility study, the engineering design on that hasn't changed the scope of the feasibility study. It's just fine-tuning it and getting down to tighter price constraints and kind of quotations and um, exactly. um, accuracy. And, and even then, the feasibility study is based on on quotations from suppliers. So it's not like there's a, a huge error bar on that. But as one goes through feed and then detailed engineering one is getting right down to the nuts and bolts and increasing confidence in in all the parameters. Literally, the nuts and the bolts. I, I just just ask again: Is there any scope change, or um, or are you running within those those throughput rates and the the the, the parameters as were set by the feasibility study? And to my knowledge, there are no changes to the parameters. Yeah, because that's that's where when you get scope change, that's where you get cost overruns, time delays, budgetary problems. Um, so it's 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 really crucial that the that the metallurgical test work the 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 yeah. the, the optimization was properly properly done not just at the feasibility level but at the at the way back you know back in um, back in the days of the pre feasibility study mm. at, at this point I'd love to take a little tangent something that you you mentioned right there and that is you know changes in scope changes in plans leading to cost overruns and all that. Something that this management does extremely well is move forward on a conservative basis. And although that quiet and conservative doesn't necessarily mean splashy and promotional to the chagrin of some shareholders, the reality is that the old tortoise and hare uh, fable is a, a true one. And this management has taken a long time to start building the owner's team assembling the people that work on these things. And a key hire for us has been Yves Perron. And Yves Perron is a 25-year experienced mine builder in Quebec with experience building mines in Quebec and in Cree territory and has delivered mines under budget and under and within timelines, even shorter timelines. And so getting the right person in to head this construction and engineering process is extremely important. Getting back to your key point about yeah. avoiding changes in scope and cost overruns and time overruns. So yeah. no, we're very happy with the team that's that's being built here. Good, good. And I'm glad to hear that no changes in scope. You'll talk about uh, starting construction in uh, in the spring. That's the goal. That is not a final investment decision. Okay, but quite often the financing of these projects can take a longer than expected time. You know, there's many a Certainly. slip twixt twixt cup and lip, and um, often it can take m many months longer to get your capex lined up than initially planned. Um, and you mentioned earlier that you were in advance. You know, it was another conversation was the financing decision uh, for financing financing discussion. So yes. Tell me about it now, please. Sure. We've been very consistent in saying no offtake without investment. That's been the philosophy for years with this company. 
And so that might have been ambitious three years ago. But given what has happened in the industry, given the shortfall this year, shortfalls next year and growing in years beyond, there is high demand for offtake. And so now when we say no offtake without investment, there is a host of companies, whether they be auto manufacturers, battery manufacturers, cathode active material manufacturers, mining companies, oil and gas companies, private equity companies, all seeking some form of exposure to lithium. Mm. That level of interest suggests that there is a high potential that we will be able to attract the capex that we need via these strategic partners. And so that is the process that is ongoing at this point in time. And the quantum is around 300, has it changed from 357 million? US 357 is the number from the feasibility study for CapEx. Yeah. Put on some working capital and call it 400 million US. Do a quick conversion to Canadian, it's 500 million Canadian. Okay. And I would suggest to you that right now, you know, I was have to admit, personally, I was expecting a, a much more robust re-rating on getting the Quebec Certificate of Authorization. And the stock did run up, but I'm still pointing out that right now the stock is trading at less than 0.2 times the NPV 8% from the feasibility study. So if it's, your equity... It's just bonkers, isn't it? And that's at a conservative price deck. If you throw anything in there at a higher level, the NPV is highly geared towards lithium concentrate pricing. And so why would one issue equity when you're trading at less than 0.2 times the value of the project in the company? And yet I feel that there are parties out there in the market right now that think, oh, there's there's got to be an equity issue imminent. There isn't. Well, that's that's um, a rallying cry to the, uh, to the investment community, um, either as an equity shareholder or to um potential financiers of the of the company we are confident that strategic partnership will take care of things good and uh debt i mean will debt be a part of the mix different uh, different uh parties have different ideas of of how to bring capex together and so some are equity driven some have debt components so one needs to look at that. In the meantime, you've also got Quebec Inc. has been very supportive of the mining industry in the province and uh, often in the form of debt. So there's there's that as sort of the next layer, if you will, strategic being the first layer, debt being the second layer, which may or may not include Quebec Inc. And then if needed, any residual would come from the street. But that um, is definitely down the down the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen in the past uh, companies which are trading at a, a minute fraction of their NPV uh, uh, sell a proportion of the operation at the project level to you know have a certain percentage for one hundred percent of the financing. Yeah. Um, you know that that presumably is part of the discussion, the ongoing discussion. There must be you, you must consider all of those options. Definitely. I mean, different as I said, different strategics or potential strategic partners have different ideas. For example, if you look at a, at an automobile manufacturer, they don't want to get into the mining industry. They just want to make sure that the lithium units get into their supply chain. Yeah. Similarly with a battery manufacturer. However, a mining company that wants to have exposure to lithium is, uh, is more likely to consider a, a joint venture 
in a, in a project on the project level. Yeah. So looking back over the year, um, I mean, the share price has had a good run. Uh, yeah. You've, you've put the feasibility study out. You've put the certificate of authorization out. You've got the, the permitting. You have had the, the price run up. I mean, uh, um, and yet you're still trading at uh, 0.2% of um, MPV. Do, what, what do you think is going to unlock that? You know, how, how do you close that discount to 0.5 of um, MPV? Or I mean, most things at this stage, historically, I, 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 you as a mining analyst, I'm sure um, I've got the similar thing in your head. I'd expect a company at this stage, pre-financing to be trading at you know, 0.5 to 0.7 times NPV. And here yeah. you are at 0.2. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to, used to work with Canaccord Genuity, and and I do still think they have one of the best platforms, especially in the lithium space. Their global coverage right now is trading at an average of around 0.65 times NPV or NAV. Um, we're at around well, we're less than 0.2 trading relative to the um, the the feasibility study valuation. So that's one measure of the gap. The other gap um, that I point out is that I tracked for years the enterprise value per ton in the ground in situ amount. If you look at it on a reserve basis, in May, we were trading at an 85% discount relative to the mean. That's now moved up to a 25% discount relative to the mean. So it's reassuring to see that we have moved up relative to peers, but there's still a discount there relative to the valuation or the mean valuation in the, on, the, on the street. Now, what do we do about it? Well, the first step was to demonstrate that we can that we can get a certificate of authorization in Quebec. I remember before we received it, there were a lot of rumors about in the in the market that, that we would never be permitted. Well, that's yeah. been proven incorrect. So now the question is, oh, well, we're gonna have to do this massive dilutive issue in order to get this even moving forward. And all we can do is prove them wrong. What was the phrase? Kind of just pick up your lunchbox and march towards the horizon. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I keep coming back to the Taurus and the hare. While there might be a lot of flashy exploration stories out there that won't be in production for many years, we consider ourselves the tortoise. We're moving towards the horizon with our lunchbox, as you said, and uh, we'll be demonstrating what we can do. Great. So just just for in, just a kind of by way of conclusion, just wrap up for um just by way of rep repetition for my simple brain, the milestones you're going to be going through next year. Well, I think we're going to be seeing a number of things. One is is the first will be um, not in terms of chronology, but one of the key catalysts will be uh, some form of partnership that 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 addresses capex and uh, that that will be a very important milestone. Secondly, will be exploration results that demonstrate additions to the life of the ROSE project. This is what we hope for. This is speculation. Um, yeah. And secondly, that, that we speculate that we'll be able to put together a resource, an initial resource on the Lamar deposit. And thirdly, that we'll be able to demonstrate that the 700 square kilometers that we control uh, have additional roses for the bouquet that there is a potential for multiple operating uh, centers within that property yeah those are okay. key and you've also got the the front end um, engineering design coming through but perhaps that's not you know maybe that's part of the boring but important um, well, I, I, section. I would consider that to be uh, confirmatory rather than revelatory yeah yeah one of the things that we really haven't talked about 
is, and I think an important differentiator for critical elements, is the board. Uh, over the last while, we've added three people to our board um, that I think deserve to be highlighted. Um, Ani Markova was the first, is a former portfolio manager and is now a specialist in ESG. Uh, she has done a great job in helping the company to, to begin and move along on its journey from an ESG perspective. Uh, Liza Hablery is a former general manager of Rio Tinto's aluminum division joint ventures and oversaw mine developments, uh, joint venture projects worth hundreds of millions of dollars. She brings an enormous amount of technical skill to the, yeah. the board. And then thirdly, we have uh, Vanessa Laplante. Vanessa is one of the tax specialists in Quebec and is also the head of the Quebec Mining Association, extremely well regarded. So I think we've got a, a, a situation where a company has one of the best boards out there for a lithium developer. And yeah. a project, there's one of, one of very few, if any other, uh, projects that are now have all of their key permits in place and are ready to go. I, it's it's uh, striking that those three appointments are all female. Is your board got more gender diversity now than it had before? Oh, absolutely. Um, it, I think the diversity, other... the, the diversity that we had before was that we had different accents when speaking English. And I think we've, <laughs> we've moved beyond that uh, in, in a great way. Now, I, I, we didn't set out to add females. We set out to add quality people. And they just happen to be female. And that's, yeah. that's a wonderful uh, thing. That is a wonderful thing, and um, it does change the dynamic. It's 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 it really it's um, it sounds obvious, but it's so refreshing, particularly when you're dealing with such a uh, a male heavy industry. I mean, you know, yes. the mining sector is so um, skewed uh, in terms of its representation. Um, it really just it just brings such a different perspective to a conversation around the table, um, which yes. I think is can only can only help. Um, good, Eric. Thank you so much. Let's uh, let's let's leave it there. Good luck with um, next year. Are you going to have a Christmas break? Do you get any time off, or does the the, the company never sleep? <laughs> well, it, especially as we have this process on the go right now, it's it's an exciting time in the company. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, great. Good. Um, well, good luck for next year, and uh, I look forward to speaking to you perhaps when one of the major milestones uh, is achieved. Absolutely, it's a real pleasure, Merlin. Thank you.